Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. It's not they couldn't go, they wouldn't go. And there's a difference. There's a difference between not being able to do something and not being willing to do something. God had told them to go, that land, I'm giving it to you. That meant that they could have it, but they weren't willing to. And a lot of times in the Christian experience, the issue for us many times, people will say, man, I just have this habit. I can't kick it. I can't stop. I can't get over this. I can't do better in this area. But it's rarely that they can't. It's that they won't. God's given you everything you need to overcome sin. When you fall, it's not anyone else's fault. You need to be honest with yourself and take responsibility. That may sound discouraging, but it doesn't have to be. As Pastor Bill will remind us in today's message, just as God had secured the promised land for the Israelites and all they needed to do was trust Him and enter in, God has secured a life of freedom and abundance for you in His Spirit. And all you must do is trust Him and enter in. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 14 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. What do we liken the promised land to? Because you and I are not headed, you know, to some land that flows with milk and honey per se. But in the Old Testament, the promised land is like unto the spirit filled life in the New Testament, the life of blessing, the life of of just enjoying all that God has for you, the life of victory and fulfillment in God. There's something God has for us New Testament believers and The same things that kept people out of the promised land back then will keep you and I out of the fullness, out of out of receiving everything God has for us. Interesting, because the people here, there was a relationship with God. God was interacting with them. God was revealing things to them. God was dealing with them, caring for them, speaking with them. But there's a large group of people here that are never going to enter into the fullness of what God wanted to do for them. And so we want to learn from these things as New Testament Christians that we wouldn't come short of anything God has for us. So let's look at it. Numbers chapter 14, starting at verse one. It says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation um, said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword of, to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So, a couple things here. First of all, you know, the the last thing that happened in chapter 13 was, you know, Caleb Caleb and Joshua said, man, cut this out. You know, let's go to the land. And they didn't want to go and they told them to be quiet. They talked about the descendants of Anak once again. So now it says the people wept all night. They just cried all night. You know, we can't go to the Ramah's land. It's not they couldn't go. They wouldn't go. And there's a difference. There's a difference between not being able to do something and not being willing to do something. God had told them to go that land. I'm giving it to you. That meant that they could have it, but they weren't willing to. And a lot of times in the Christian experience, the issue for us many times, people will say, 
man, I just have this habit. I can't kick it. I can't stop. I can't get over this. I can't do better in this area. But it's rarely that they can't. It's that they won't. Because God has given us everything we need. God, the Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that we need to have victory over the flesh, victory over the world, the flesh and the devil, we already have it in Christ. Whenever I fail morally, whenever I make a mistake, whenever I sin, I can never say it's because I couldn't overcome that or I couldn't have done a better job. It's because I wouldn't do it. I chose sin. I continued in my old way or whatever, but I could never say there was, I mean, there's no, no, there's no way I could have obeyed God in that situation. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't never say that. And, but you'd be amazed at how often people in their, just in their normal conversation, Christians speak like that. You know, yeah, I mean, I've been really trying hard to do this, man, but I just can't. You know, I've been really trying hard to have a better devotion. So I just can't find time to read. No, 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 no. You won't make time to read. That's what it is. Not that you can't find, you won't find. I've really been working on them, trying to get rid of, you know, you name whatever the habit is. Cigarettes, sex, alcohol, whatever, weed. It's never we can't, it's we won't. And that's the issue here. It's not that they couldn't go, it's that they wouldn't go. They wouldn't trust God, they wouldn't take him at his word, they wouldn't believe, and so they wouldn't go in. Then it says in verse 2 again, And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation, and they started yelling at them and crying out to them. And I want to just point this out. When people are fighting against God, what ends up happening many times is they'll fight against the representatives of God in their life. When you have a child that's fighting against God and a parent that's standing up for God, what happens a lot of times is that child is fighting with the parent. Parents representing righteousness and what God wants and what God's word says to do. And a child is saying, I don't want to do what God's word says. So instead of fighting God, they end up fighting their parent who's the representative of God in their life. Um, as a pastor, sometimes in the place that I stand, um, there'll be people that are really at war with God. But I'm the spokesman. I'm telling them the Bible says you can't do that. The Bible says love your wife. The Bible says submit to your husband. The Bible says you can't take that from work. The Bible says whatever. And they'll be mad at me. And I'll become the enemy. And so what happens here is Moses and Aaron are the representatives of God. They're the ones that have said God said we should go. And the people are yelling at them and mad at them. And that the, all the anger is aimed at them. them. Um, we're going to see Joshua and Caleb because they step up. You know, they're going to incite some anger towards them. So this is what you want to learn from that. If you are a spiritual leader, you kind of need to prepare yourself that there are going to be times as you stand in obedience to the Lord that people come against you. You got to be okay with that. As a parent, some parents can't act that, you know, they want their kids friendship so bad that they won't tell them the right stuff. You can't want that. You got to tell them the right stuff. Sometimes fighting for your kids is going to mean that you're fighting with them. But if you don't fight, you don't win. And so some parents don't even fight with their kids. They just lay down and lose. And you can't, they didn't even lose. They just, they just waved the white flag. They just gave up. Don't do that. Stay on your ground. If you know what's right, they need a parent. The Bible gave them a parent for a reason. And God's counting on you to stand up in their life. And they may come against you. I don't disagree with that, mom. I don't think that's right. All my friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to stay in your post uh, on their behalf. Because, again, when people are at war with God many times, the anger and the animosity and the yelling or whatever comes out, it comes out toward the representative. And that's what's happening here. They're all came to Aaron and Moses and they're all cried all night long. So there's tons of emotion. It's a big crowd of people. Imagine that big of a crowd of people all crying and fussing at you. I don't like two people crying and fussing at me. Imagine this mob of people just crying and fussing. What kind of pressure? How'd that feel for Moses and Aaron? I'm guessing that that wasn't a fun 
uh, fun thing for these guys. And then they start saying, man, it would have been better if we had just died in Egypt. Um, you know, they're basically they're looking back and saying, you know what? God should have just left us. We were better off in Egypt. Now, what's Egypt a type of in the scriptures? The world. And you always want to remember that whenever we look in the Old Testament, we're looking at Egypt, back at Egypt, coming out of Egypt. Egypt is always a type of the world. And so as New Testament believers, that's what the flesh is going to be saying sometimes. The flesh will be looking back to the world like, man, remember, I remember the good old days. I remember back in the day, man, I didn't have all these problems. I, I was having a good time. You'll look, you'll lust backwards at times. Um, sometimes we look at people in the world. They look like they're getting around okay. Don't look like it's doing so bad. They do it better off than me, and I'm trying to do it God's way. And people start lusting backwards. But interesting that the enemy never reminds you of the dark times in the world, the depressing times when, when you were broken, when you were, you know, when you got got the DUI, you went to jail, or you got in trouble, or you had negative things happen. Just remind you of the, the good old times. And so they're saying these things. These things that they're saying are against God because God's the one that delivered them. So again, imagine the slap in the face to God. As they're all saying to the God that delivered them supernaturally from Egypt when they were slaves, they're saying, man, it would have been better off if we left us there to die there. Uh, imagine just the, ungrat- the, the lack of gratitude to the Lord that's displayed there. Verse three, why has the Lord brought us out of this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better to return to Egypt? And so now they're, even, they're blaming God. They're saying, God, why did you do this to us? And then they're, they're even looking at their wives and their kids and saying, you, you did this to all you. You don't care about me, guys. You don't care about my family. And I don't know, maybe there are people here that have been there. Maybe you've been in a rough spot and you're looking at God saying, God, I mean, do you care? Look at me. Look at my family. Look what's going on with my wife and my kids. And my, you know, do you care? God does care. God's been the one caring for them all along. It's that they've lost perspective. And so the first thing I wrote down in terms of what will cause us to miss out on the promise of God, miss out on what God has for us. I put down that having a wrong focus, a wrong focus. They have a wrong focus right now. They're not looking at God. They're not looking at what he has done. They're not focused on what God said he was going to do, what God promised to give them. They have fixed their focus on the fact that the enemies in the land are really big and that they don't want to go. And they're set their focus in the wrong place. If we put our focus in the wrong place, we will miss God. We'll miss out on the things that God wants to give us, the thing that God wants to do for us. Just having a, a wrong focus. They have a wrong focus here. Look at verse four. They said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. And so in verse four, they're, they're, they're conversing among themselves. They said they said to one another, let us find new leadership. You know, Moses and Aaron, they're not getting it for us. I want a new leader. That's going to take me where I want to go. Let's find a new leader to take us to back to Egypt. And so I put down as number two, wrong influences. Um, now, as I, as I read this and I look at the story, there were only two guys of all of this number that spoke up and said, you guys are tripping. This is not what God would have, Joshua and Caleb. And God's going to reward them for that later. But the, the, the crowd, the mob, the, the, the majority of the people are saying, yeah, it sounds good. you know." And so we want to be careful about that. Wrong influences. Everybody else is in agreement about this, so it must be right. That's not necessarily true. And we got to be careful in our world today. The way that the mob mentality works in our culture today 
is over the internet, over the news, over social media, where you get enough people saying the same thing and you'll get some people that don't think through things very well. They're like, yeah, I know. You know, because everybody said it. Everybody posted it. Everybody seems to be feeling the same thought. You better sift those things through scripture and make sure that that's what God is saying. That's what God's word says. They had wrong influence. They were influencing one another against the Lord, against and away from the word of God. They were speaking to one another, conversing. So first of all, having a wrong focus, looking at the problems and not looking at the Lord, looking at what, what's going on and not what God said. And then second, having wrong influences rather than being influenced by the fact that God said, I'm giving you this land. They're being influenced by one another saying we should just go back. Let's find a new leader. Take us back to uh, back to Egypt. Verse five. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And so Moses and Aaron just prostrate themselves. They just fall on their faces. Um, it says before all the assembly. And I, I, I'm just trying to think for these guys. Like I, somehow I read these scriptures and I try to put myself in those positions. And I, I mean, I've had the pressure of a few people coming asking me some things lightly. But I, I don't even know what kind of pressure this must be to have a whole, you know, just hundreds of thousands of people, all these people coming and fussing at you and complaining to you and crying. And why did we come here? When you, why did God bring us here? Ah, and, and, and we don't want you to lead us anymore. We want to find new leaders. And just what that was like. And there was just nothing else they could say or do. They just fell on their faces before the Lord. I want to point out that that's a good place to be. When you don't know what to do, when you're unsure of, I have no idea what to do in this particular situation. A good place to do is just to be on your face, to fall out, fall down before the Lord. Uh, there's a verse in Second Chronicles 2012. I love it. Um, as Josephat was was going through a tough time and and was in a predicament, didn't he didn't know what to do. It says in Second Chronicles 2012, he, he prays, praying. He says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. And then he says this, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We're looking to you. And if you read the rest of that story, the Lord intervenes and delivers them and gives them a great victory. And so what are we to do when we're overwhelmed? We don't know what to do. Um, it's just overwhelming. There's pressure and everything else. Just fall on your face before the Lord. Take it to him. Take it to the one that, that's not going to be overwhelmed. When you're overwhelmed, take your burdens and give them to the one that's not overwhelmed. Peter tells us that we're to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. Sometimes we just we carry our cares. And sometimes what human beings do is we carry our concerns and our cares and they're, they're too much for us. We can't handle them. Then we'll call a friend and cast our cares upon them and they don't help. They don't lighten your burden. They, they really can't intervene in a way that God can and you just shared it with them and you still just feel just as heavy as you did when you called and God says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. I'll take, I'll take them off of you. And there's something amazing that happens. Sometimes when you pray, you can actually, I mean, I've, I've had times of prayer where I, I just am exhausting all these things before. I'll, I'll get done praying and I feel like, I feel like my load has been light, like I just gave it all to God. Now I'm going about my day and nothing changed in the earth realm, nothing, nothing materially changed. But in the spirit realm, everything just got given over to him and now I can go on and push on. And so there, there is something powerful about prayer and bringing things to the Lord. Look at verse six now. It says, but Joshua 
the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. So I want you to see the contrast of Joshua and Caleb. So and even the leadership. So Moses and Aaron, they just fall on their faces before the Lord, which is where they needed to be, because they were the people that were kind of the go between. God would speak to them. They would speak to the people. The people have now spoken to them. And now they're just crying out before the Lord. That's their role, their position at that time. Joshua and Caleb had been part of the, the ministry that went out. They were they were they were two of the 12 spies that went out and they came back saying, God, it's confirmed. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. We had great to carry between on a pole between two people. You know, they said this is a great land. We want to go. We want to go get it. And everybody doesn't want to go. That's why we don't we don't ascribe to or prefer the, the style of church government that is, um, you know, uh, congregational where everybody's got to vote and agree. Because right here, everybody, you know, we didn't, God didn't get the vote. You know, he didn't get the vote. God spoke and the people voted and they voted God out. They voted not to do what God said. So I would never put people in that kind of a situation. Uh, I remember being at a church, first church that I went to, and it was it was that way. And I remember when there would be things that would come up that were items that needed to be voted on. And it would be announced, you know, Sunday morning after service. Hey, we're going to have a vote on these things right here. And I, I just remember this because you're part of the church. So I remember there being people there that are not walking with God. There was a musician that was smoking crack. There were people that were living together in fornication. I mean, you had all these different kinds of people, but they were getting ready to come vote on spiritual matters. And I was like, I, I, even then, I'm, I'm still a, a, a fairly new believer, but it just was I was like, yeah. They weigh in, huh? They That brother weighs in. He got a 40 on the way here. He weighs in on what's going to happen next year. That's a bad situation. That's not, that's not, I don't think that's the best way to do things. So um, just pointing that out. So here the, the group doesn't agree with God. The group doesn't agree that they should do what God said do. But Caleb and Joshua, they're fighting for it. And I, I just should point this out. When you stand with God, when you walk by faith and not by sight, when you do it God's way, it's it's lonely. You're going to stand alone a lot of times. Joshua and Caleb, obviously not affected whatsoever by the crowds. Obviously, they could give a hoot about what everybody else was saying. Unlike those that are going to miss out and they're having a wrong influence, they're influenced by one another, their focus on the, is on the crowds. I want you to notice that Joshua and Caleb have done the opposite. Their focus is on the Lord and what he said, and they confirmed that what God said was true, the land was truly good, they're saying so, and they're influenced, they're influencing one another. So I would just point that out for those of us that, that desire to, man, I want to walk in victory, I want to have victory in my walk with the Lord, make sure you find some people that are walking the same way with you. You guys can walk it out together. It's a good thing. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 22. Paul ministering to young Timothy, kind of getting him ready, tells him to flee youthful lust. Then he tells him pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace. It says with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He said, I want you to pursue these things, but find some other people that are doing it, too. Pursue these things with other people that are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. So as believers, 
it's important that we, we run with other believers and we run with other people that are faithful, people that trust God. I thank God for my friends in the faith, people that I can call friend that I can fellowship with, I can speak with, that, that we're always pushing each other in this direction. Our speech is in this direction. Our prayers are in this direction, never pulling one another down. We need friends like that. And so um, seek them out. Actually, if you don't have any friends like that, ask God to give you some people that you can walk with. So I just want you, I want to contrast Joshua and Caleb from the rest of the people. Uh, the rest of the people, they're again, they're, they got wrong focus and a wrong influence. But again, not these two. And again, they said it does flow with milk. Honey. Look at verse nine. They're giving commands. These are commands that they're saying. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. And look what he says. For they are our bread. Their, their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And there's a mixture here of commands and promises from God. It says, don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. The promise, they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Last command, do not fear them. And they're saying, come on. They're, they're, Joshua and Caleb are still saying, guys, let's go. What are you doing? Let's go do what God said to do. Um, but they're, they're, they're fighting an uphill battle with this group of people. But I would just point out a few things. First of all, when they say only do not rebel against the Lord. When God tells you to do something and you don't do it, we don't often think of it that way, but that's rebelling against the Lord. When God has told you, I want you to do this. And you say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's rebellion. Rebelling against the Lord. When Saul rebelled against the Lord and the word of God came to him through the prophet, the word, he was told this, that rebellion is just like witchcraft. Just like witchcraft. And I think witchcraft, I think of that's, that's bad. Really, really bad. God's rebellion, just like witchcraft to me. And so here they're being told, hey, your disobedience, you're not going is rebellion against God. So I would challenge us all to consider if there are any areas that God has spoken to you, things that God has told you to do, things that God has is, is, is given you clear direction that you're to do or to not do, and you're not obeying, then you're in rebellion. You need to repent of that. that. That That's rebellion when I don't obey, when I don't go and do what God said do. And then he says, so only he says, don't only don't rebel against the Lord. And he says, don't fear the people of the land, right? You'll never get where God is trying to take you if you're a person that operates in fear. And I would challenge you to just scour through your Bible at people that, when you think of the names of people that did great things for God, I want you to go back and look at all those stories. They all had to overcome fear. Fear is a, is a hindrance. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will snare you. Fear will keep you from doing things that you're well able to do, but you're just afraid. And so fear can only be overcome in one way, and that's overcoming it. Fear is like a bully. And the only way to get done with a bully is you got to beat him up. And then once you beat him up, you're like, ah, oh, he ain't that bad. And next time he shows up, you're like, you know what? I'm not as afraid as I was before. But if you never fight a bully and it's always... Only what your mind is telling you is going to happen to you if you go up against them. You'll always live in that fear. The only way to overcome a bully is beat them up. The only way to overcome fear is to finally overcome it. You got to just do it. And then and you'll move forward from there. What you'll find in your walk with the Lord, every time you step out in faith to overcome fear, do what God said do, you'll find every time that you do it, 
that your trust in God is growing. You're seeing that, man, God came through. You know, when I obeyed God, I did what God said do. And as I look back, God came through. He, he showed up. He worked it out. It, 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 it went well. I, I didn't know how it was going to work out. I, didn't, I was afraid that it wouldn't work out. But as I look back now, I'm like, God, God's faithful all the time, 100%. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website, at CalvaryInglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryInglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryInglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.